This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right. Uh, I hear the uh, subtle hum of the phone line now running through the board. Sorry. No, let's welcome in. No, it's, it's more on Matt. Let's welcome in uh, Plank, who's joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. What's going on, dude? How are you? Uh, well, first of all, I'm sorry. I don't think this has ever happened to me to where the phone doesn't ring, but I can get texts and call out. So I apologize for not being on time. <laughs> I, I, I mean, safety first, right? But I'm sitting here, and anytime Matt texts me, I'm going to get back right away. Uh, but number two, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you were talking about this because I was perplexed by this. Yeah. Um, you know, if there was, if there, and again, I'm not trying to pigeonhole any country, but. You know, if there was some incredible, you know, Mexican basketball player or uh, football player and, and everyone wants to see him or if one of your soccer programs, I just – I didn't understand how this could be a high-five moment for the Big 12 where it's like, yeah, because every everyone that sits there and says, let's just use Kansas State as an example, Bob. Oh, this is visionary. Look, putting a game in, in, in Mexico City, how cool is that? And you're like – yeah, by the way, K-State, we're putting the K-State KU game in. It's your home game that's going there. So yeah. suddenly it doesn't become so visionary and so brilliant. I, I was kind of thrown off by that. It really didn't make a lot of sense. So Matt Brown did some uh, research on this. Mexico has produced only six D1 men's basketball players. That's it. And only 250 <laughs> in all of D1 sports. So what are we, what are we doing here? I mean, is this a is this a hotbed that's just not being recruited enough? Because I, I'm here to tell you that it's more than likely not. I and yeah, I'm, I'm all so for either. him trying to create things, dude, that are different, and especially moving forward, m- losing your two most valuable and visual properties. But it has to make sense to me, and this this one just doesn't. Yeah, and then the other thing that's not really making a lot of sense to me is this buzz around San Diego State and Fresno State. Because <laughs> yeah. if, if you're if you're if you're in the world of um, if you're in the world of expansion, and let's face it, the Big Twelve has made no bones about it, they're wanting to go west. But at, at, and I've heard you talk about this too. It's it's almost as if every every single conference realignment story has like a it's like a three part play. Part one, oh my gosh, the Big Twelve is talking to the X Y Z teams, or the, uh, the the Pac twelve is not happy with their media. De- going to leave these teams are looking to leave and part three is now nah, we're happy here we're going to wait and see what the media deal looks like and we're good to go so i i mean again brett yormark has been incredible they got that media deal done quickly again um i've never seen a media deals numbers that included the final four and the the, the playoff payouts in them before but you know it makes it look a little bit better so i hope it truly is for school but this the, the fresno state san diego state thing doesn't make any sense pop because to me the only way you can go back to the negotiating table and get your TV deal updated is if what Andrew Marchand reported is true, and that's if you add a Power 5 program. That's right. And from what I've been able to tell, you know, Fresno State, San Diego State, no offense, both great schools, but not Power 5. So just been kind of a unique time in the Big 12, and I think they're trying to do all the right things, but I just I, I wonder at what point they kind of settle back in and say, all right, let's embrace who we are and continue to try to do – you know, things around our big events, like they did with the Big 12 championship and the Big 12 tournament. San Diego State is more of a natural fit to me or a better fit than what Fresno is. 
Um, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's been a little bit. I think 2016, we went out there with Tulsa football over Fresno, and um, not a pleasant experience by any means uh, for, for anyone involved in being out in Fresno. And I just can't imagine what value they actually bring to this. Because you're right, the pro rata, according to Marchland, is it has to be power five schools. So uh, yeah. that's kind of where yeah, we're at. Yeah. All right. Uh, I wanted to bring you on, obviously, talk some softball. Um, man, I, I don't even know what to say anymore about them. I, what, what, how do you even talk about this team other than just how over-the-top amazing that they are? I mean, we can sit here and like me, and talk about negatives all you want, but then doesn't it get to a point where you feel like that you're just you're actively searching for something to try to find that's that's a hole in their game or arsenal? Let me give you a good example of that, Pop. They they won three games this not not last weekend, but the weekend before. We went down to Waco, and they won games seven zip, four zip, and two zip. Oh, they what's wrong with the offense? <laughs> Thank you. The week before that, kind of a similar thing with Texas Tech, right? Tech was Tech was the first time I've ever seen a team use six different pitchers. Well, I guess it ended up, yeah, six different pitchers in six different innings. Um, and OU still shut them out, but didn't run rule them. Uh, and it's it's literally that point where, where people are like, hey, what's going on with the offense? And I'm like, this this is softball. You know, this is how, this is kind of normal. This is what it's probably going to look a little bit more like when you get to the SEC um, and when you get in the postseason. But, yeah, Pop, you're 100% right. I mean, even this past week, you think about it, 8-zip, um, 14-zip, and then 8-2, to two, right? So what do you think a very small percentage of the nervous Nellies were? Gosh, how could we let Kansas get two runs on us? You know, it's just like, so I guess the, the 10 shutout innings, and I guess if you look back, well, they, they scored in the first inning, Kansas did. But the 10 shutout innings didn't matter. They they gave up one run to a, an upstart Kansas Jayhawks team. I think it's going to be pretty good in a couple of years and has a win over Texas this year. So it's a really good point, man. I I was talking to Bruce Howard the other day, and, you know, we were spending just – I was laying out some of the stories, and, you know, he was asking me, well, what – what does this pitcher throw, and what do they throw, and, and, and how fast is it? And my response was, they all throw everything, and they all throw it really well, and they all balance each other out. So, I mean, even even in trying to figure out, hey, but is there something different about how this pitcher approaches it or how that hitter approaches it, Pop, it's just it's, it's a very straightforward approach. And, listen, they might lose the game. They might lose the game to Stillwater next week. They might lose tonight to Tulsa. Um, they might lose the game in the Norman Regional. They might lose a game in the Super Regional. But it's going to be really hard to beat this team twice. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they hung their hat on. Um, they've got, I mean, I the phrase I would usually use is they've got dudes, right? <laughs> but in this case, obviously with the women athletes, I mean, they just got ballers. And they, they're passionate about softball. They like each other. You know, there's not some sort of, hidden back and forth or strained because this pitcher is pitching more or this player is starting here or playing more innings. I mean, they really, they really seem to, to mesh. And it's just, you're right. You, you almost feel like you're searching for a storyline because there's almost a part of you where you're like, this is too good to be true. And you're going on three years running now where you just, you got to accept that they're the best team in the country and it's going to take an Herculean effort to knock them off. Not to say it can't happen. You know, UCLA's red hot. They got a chip on their shoulder from what OU did to them at the Marionetta Classic, which I still laugh at every time I say. 
um, in, in Palm Springs. But there's, you know, it's Oklahoma and it's everyone else. Doesn't mean they can't get beat, but it means, you know, to get them out, you got to beat them twice. And I think that's going to be the tough out for Oklahoma the rest of the way. You know, it's really strange what we do with teams that are historically dominant over significant stretches of time. And this is not just a softball thing. It's across all sports. Um, in, a, in, a, in a weird way, in a very weird way, and I'm not trying to, to label anyone at all on this, but um, along with expectations from a team, the, the expectations for a group of fans changes as well. And the way that we, we watch and where we get our joy from – like changes in a weird way, if that makes sense. And we we almost in a in a way not hypercritical, but going back to what we were talking about, where we start trying to pick apart negatives instead of just sure. sitting back and absolutely fawning over what we're witnessing right now. Because who knows when something like this will ever happen again. We all think that, hey, this stretches on throughout eternity, and sports tells us no, in fact, that it is not. So you should enjoy it while it's happening right now. And I tell Sooner fans this a lot. So, well, for, for, they had a camp this weekend, Pop. There's a lot of prospects in. Holy smokes, the future is bright. <laughs> you know, you and I. Maybe it will go forever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure as you say that, and I'm about to give everyone a cautious warning, but I'm like, I saw some of these players they had this week, and holy smokes. But here's what I would equate it to. Um, you taught me a lot about MMA, and, and I feel like through your passion for MMA, I grew a love for MMA, but we both were doing a show together whenever women's fighting was in its infancy, right? Whenever, you know, for at least for us locally, the Jamie Ambushes Jones of the world, the Ronda Rousey's nationally, you know, they were – they were mostly people who had picked up MMA along the way, right? Now you see this, this new era where they've been hyper-trained and focused on it their whole lives, right? That's all they've done. Now, I'm, And you get elite-level fighters all over the place. My point is, you know, sure, travel softball has always been there, um, and it always will be there because it is incredible. But the training element to this and the idea that hey, it's not just softball to play in college and be a coach. It's softball to play in college, become um, become a, you know, a, dare I say, a spokesperson or become, you know, almost a personality. And then you now get to the point where you have two professional leagues and, hey, guess what? There's a chance you can play softball and make enough money where you don't have to worry about having to do softball and something else. It's just you're getting a whole new breed of athletes that's that's playing this sport and is able to excel in this sport. And I'm not going to lie to you, Pop. Uh, it makes the future very exciting. But that that's a long preamble to basically say, you know, in the end, um, you're going into the SEC in 2025, all right? And I know before someone starts yelling and saying, oh, it's 2024, by the way, there you go, paying the toll, Pop. Remember the time we had to pay the toll with a check? With a check. Oh, my gosh, the I, days. Matt, Thank I kid you, you not, we had to write a $3 check. For the toll, right, right, are you right. kidding and, me? And, and not, not only, not only did we have to write a three dollar check as we were looking all over Pop's car. I think we were going down to OU Media Day, we right? Were, we were. Not only, not only did we have to to, to write a three dollar check. This was after thoroughly scouring both of our, you know, car. Well, your car for three bucks, and then I I paid with a check, and then I had to make sure the thing didn't bounce. 
So God bless uh, Christian America. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> well, we found out that day that they actually take checks at the booth. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and it's funny. It's funny because I, I had no money in my wallet, but out of nowhere, my wife said, hey, you know, we, we probably need to start carrying a check with us just for an emergency. And I was like, okay, I mean, if you want to take this bad boy, it'll bounce as soon as you touch it. But thankfully, the check went through. And, and we were able to continue driving on the turnpike. But it, it, anyway, back to the point. I'm sorry, sidebar. This is what happens when I'm driving and we're doing an interview. Uh, I Oklahoma's first year of softball in the SEC is going to be 2025, okay? So football will get there in 24, softball and baseball in 2025. They will not have Jada Coleman, T.R.A. Jennings, Kinsey Hansen, Alyssa Brito, Nicole May. They'll all be graduating. And uh, Riley Boone, you know, it's, it, it kind of, you know, you're like, whoa, that's a lot to lose. But you get a COVID year for Hanson and for May and for Boone uh, and Brito. So you, you get that extra time with them. But you also realize this team that you're watching tonight and next year is going to be completely different when they go into the SEC. So, you know, that's that part of me where it's like, hey, everybody, you know, it's not it's not going to last forever and it's going to get tougher. But then I, <laughs> I see the recruits. <laughs> He was doing in the portal too, Pop, and trust me, it's not going to last forever, right? Coach Gasso's going to retire. Um, you know, it's, it, it, teams are going to have their number, and there's going to be a lull. These things just don't last forever. But as far as this run right here, but I don't know if I've seen anything as dominating or as consistent, you know, in my in my life. And I, I hope, I hope to your original point after that acid trip of a take. I hope people are embracing it the way that it should. 385 to 37. That is the uh, number that OU is outscoring its opponents what, by a combined score. Do you have the notes in front of you? Uh, what's the second inning? I don't have the second inning, oh, but okay. it's. Uh, <laughs> I can only assume that it's, uh, it's rather I wanna, insane. I, I want to say the second inning pop is something like 83 to 2. Oh, my God. Well, as as impressive as that one is, I think the one that gets me is is that uh, all four pitchers hold ERAs under uh, under 1.10, and then shutouts in 28 of 46 games. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or not, but no, it's it's it's, you're right. It's phenomenal. Um, And and three, there are three regular pitchers, right? And Jordy Ball, Nicole May, and Alex Tarocco. They're all finalists for the player of the year. I mean, here's why I'm so confident, and it's not cockiness, and you don't want to come across as arrogant, but if one of your pitchers is having a bad day, what's the odds that all three are having a bad day on the same day? Slim and none. If, if half of your lineup is off, what's the odds that the other half is off? I mean, back to uh, Saturday in Waco. You know, they played a doubleheader. And they didn't score until the fifth inning, sixth inning of that game, right? It was a scoreless game. But in years past, Pop, this is no offense to any of the previous pitchers, but, you know, you might have a a 1-0, 2-0 deficit by the time you get there, maybe 3-0 and you're pressing. But with the way that these arms have been throwing, man, they're they're phenomenal. They're, They're phenomenal and they're fun and they're not arrogant or cocky. They're just good. And it's been really fun to watch. All right, so we actually have the Bedlam series on the radio here uh, on on Let's Friday go. on Friday Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I reached oh, out to I, I reached out to Oklahoma State and said, "Listen, 
like you guys got to make this available in the network. You just have to. Um, right. And we went back and forth, and we're able to get it. So uh, we won't have nice. we won't have you on here oh, because we do have Oklahoma State, but um, uh. but we are at least going to carry the games. And I and I think it's I know that they're in Tulsa tonight, but it, I feel like that we would be doing everyone a disservice if you did not have what is said to be one of the toughest tickets to get in Stillwater in quite some time uh, for a series yeah. that's like this. So I I'm super pumped, man, and I can't I can't wait to be a part of it in in. Uh, I I mean this like you said maybe a one off because of how good that Oklahoma is but that's not to throw any amount of shade on just how good that Oklahoma State has been and is again this year. Oklahoma State can win that series. I mean I, I just I, I think that's the reality. You know the, the cowgirls and in every Oklahoma fan, every Oklahoma fan that's listening knows it. I mean Oklahoma State can win that series. You've got a combination of things that are working in their favor. The cowgirls come in hungry. You know they've they've won they've won their last uh, two of their last three Big Twelve series, but they haven't swept them, and they got swept by Texas in Austin. Now, you know Kenny Gajewski's a hell of a coach, and you still have Kelly Maxwell, and you still have Kylie Naomi, and you still have you know these transfer portal additions that have made a major difference. I mean, the girl from Purdue is phenomenal. She was drafted. And the WPF draft, so I'm, I'm, dude, that makes my heart so happy that you guys are carrying Bill, Ben Nass, and the call, the Oklahoma State Radio Network. Um, they, Steve, Bill gets the radio booth in Stillwater. They sit us outside, and I'm usually sitting right around the Oklahoma State people. Nice. So this could go really poorly for me again this year. Uh, but Oklahoma State's a good team, you know. Just because they've struggled recently, losing a game on Sunday to Iowa State, losing a game on Saturday. Texas Tech, it's still a good team. And, you know, I've talked about this a lot with Oklahoma State and since Kenny Gajewski took over in 2016. Typically, they've been slow starters, right? And then all of a sudden, at the end of the season, you're like, holy smokes, where did they come from? This year, they were fast starters, right? They lost to Maryland, but they won all their big games early. Now they're struggling late. So is it something where they can flip that switch and turn around? Um, or they, are they in trouble? But, I mean, listen, all, all it really takes – is one win in this series this weekend, and you've suddenly turned the tide of momentum heading into the postseason. You're no longer feeling like you're scratching and clawing for an eight seed to make sure you're in position to host a super regional. You beat Oklahoma just once this weekend, and suddenly you're in a position to where, okay, not only are we hosting a super regional, but we can get back to the Final Four again. So I'm really pumped you guys are carrying it. Oklahoma State's got a good team. You know, I worry about their pitching depth. Have they, have they worn out? Um, Kelly Maxwell a little bit. Oklahoma struggled with Maxwell, but you know they they, they eventually have success against her. If that makes any sense, like you know, they'll struggle, but you know over time they'll figure her out. And they'll they'll get their timing down. But I'm pumped, you know. And, and they've created a great environment. I know I'm going long here, Pop, oh, and I good. apologize, but they've created a great environment in Stillwater. Um, Coach Gavsky told me a couple of years ago that they, um, you know, they, they're, they're outfield deck was actually built by fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they basically had some fans that said, you deserve something like this, man. Let's build something awesome. And it's a tough environment. If you're out in left field, you're going to get tons of S talk to you. And yeah, Mackenzie Donahue a couple of years ago, whenever she went down there, she had to shut her Instagram account down for the weekend. It's just, it's, it's, it's dirty in a good way. It's bad in a good way. Um, but I, I'm really excited for that this weekend. And I hope everyone can tune in and check it out because um, it's 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 a rivalry that will carry over once OU goes to the SEC. OU and OSU will still find a way to play in softball, 
Um, and it's a really good one right now. It's two of the best teams in the country, regardless of how tough things have been recently for the Cowgirls. By the way, T-Bird just hit me up on our uh, text line and said, uh, tell Plank that he can sell that Steve Garvey autograph card that I got him to pay for the toll roads if you ever feel like that you need to do that. So. You tell T-Bird I already sold that bad boy about 10 years ago, so we're good to go. <laughs> awesome. Hey, real quick before I let you go, uh, how'd you feel about your Raiders draft? I cannot have you know, one of the OG draft Knicks come on here and not talk about Raiders. Yeah, dude. I, I was really missing the mock draft this week. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, it's weird because, you know, I, I, I consume way too many draft podcasts. And the Ringer one has become one of my favorites, even though it sounds like a bunch of eight-year-olds talking about the draft. Um, but one of the guys said something that really resonated with me. Uh, he said, the Raiders just need to get a guy that can start for them. They just need to get a guy that they can plug in there, and they know for eight to ten years he's going to play for them. And they haven't done that, right? I mean, in the last decade, Pop, the last decade, mm-hmm. the only starter they've drafted in the first round is their left tackle. I mean, we're talking 10 years, and that's Colton Miller. Um, and they've had multiple first-round picks. Now, Josh Jacobs made – sorry, I apologize. Uh, Colton Miller and Josh Jacobs. But Jacobs franchise tagged, and he's saying he's not going to report because he's angry about his contract. Figured out. Uh, I'm not happy with, with, with the coach. I, I like the GM, but I like the draft. You know, did they reach on the receiver from Cincinnati? Yeah, I think so. Um but it sounds like to me they're moving on from Hunter Renfro. Am I still a little bit bitter about moving on from Derek Carr? Sure, but I'm all in on a, I'm all in on one mindset: fix the defense. That's what they did with all these draft picks this year. And let's go tank for Caleb, baby. Because if you're in the division with Caleb Williams, or excuse me, with uh, Patrick Mahomes and you know, obviously Justin Herbert, you're going to need a quarterback that can get things done. That's not Jimmy G. Bless his heart. That's not Aiden O'Connell. That's Drake Bay or Caleb Williams. I'm all in on 0-17 this year. Let's go. So, I don't know. Did you read Peter King's um, Monday morning quarterback yes, from, from the Raiders? I'm okay. thinking about Harrison at 12. Yeah, and I, I like the thing, too, about them kind of learning their lessons a little bit with if they had Hyatt you know, rated high, but they didn't overdraft him at 35 or at 70. Yeah. Uh, they waited to get what you talked about, which is let's get quality players. But I, I think you're dead on with the Raiders needing in terms of just quality starters. There are two teams there are two teams that jump to the top of my mind with this is look at what Seattle's done the last two years. Seattle the last two years has basically got like nine starters. Like Wow. Uh, I heard someone say that out of a draft class, if you get three starters within two years, you, you've done a hell of a job. If you get four, it's like an outlier. But to get nine the way that Seattle has, it makes me sick as a Niners fan. Then what the Jets did over the last couple of years as well with – I mean, that dude, they had the offensive rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year, and they had Brees Hall. Yeah. Like they, that, those are three like amazing starters. So if the Raiders were taking a page out of what teams like that were doing, then I think that's that's better off for them in the long term for the franchise. I am ready for the Jimmy G experience this year, Pop. No, you're not. You've trained me well for no, it. No, you're so, not. Um, <laughs> I, I I wish I could sell I, you I, on that. <laughs> I've already called it the Brian Hoyer experience because he's going to be gone after two days. You and by look- the way, thanks for the heads up on Brayden Willis. You made me look really smart with all my draft friends down here in Norman. What a what a pickup that's going to be. I think you'll like him a lot. 
dude, told you. I they they had yep. they yeah. had like four combos with that guy. It made too much sense later on in the draft. Uh, yeah, and by the way, you'll hate Jimmy G one minute and you'll love him the next. That's that's the roller coaster that is. Uh, just like marriage. Ah, yes. All right, buddy. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for all the extra time right, today, man. Have a good day. That's Chris Plank. Back soon, man. Have a great show, Pop. See you, buddy. That's uh, Chris Plank joining us here on the Blitz 1170. If you can't tell, I love that dude. Man, we had so much fun back in the day. Matt, you have no idea how much fun we had back in the day. Did you guys pick on Steve like you and Colby pick on me? Like, I mean, even like pre-Steve days. Like, I mean, I was based, I was in your position yeah, so you with were, doing that show. Yeah. yeah. But man, we had so much fun. Like he had responsibilities. I didn't. So it was, it was fun to kind of live the life there of, uh, you know, nothing to do, but just watch sports and drink beer. It's 228 <laughs> here on the Blitz 1170. We'll take a timeout. Uh, thank you for tuning in. By the way, coming to you live from the Ike's Chili House studio, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908. We'll take this timeout. We'll come back. We'll tell you where we are, where we're, where we are going to be on Saturday. That's next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.